Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. A very Merry Christmas to all of our listeners and uh, those who have been following us for a long time and, and new people who've reached out. Um, it's an it's a interesting time of year because it um, uh, brings back childhood memories the older we get. Uh, I think Christmas takes on a different meaning in terms of, um, you know, if we obviously a very commercialized society we step away from the true meaning of christmas which is the birth of jesus um but it's also a time i think of of thanksgiving and family and the blessings that we are able to uh, bestow upon our loved ones whether that's through gifts um and it christmas was an amazing experience for me um I'm doing this episode the day after because we had such a wonderful time with with family yesterday. I didn't want to, I didn't want to haphazardly run through it, um, but it 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 brought back a lot of memories. And I, I did have a period of time where I was sad because I I would always do Christmas. Uh, I'd send my dad tons of gifts, um, Amazon or different things. I'd make notes in my iPhone of things that he wanted, and so I would shower him with gifts throughout out the. The years I've been living in Massachusetts, so it, it was different. It just felt kind of a more uh, surreal thing. That that you know, with grief, that's where it kind of comes and ebbs and flows. Uh, so, uh, not a bittersweet Christmas, but I'm I'm grateful for the family that I do have here in Massachusetts. My amazing wife Julie, uh, my amazing stepkids, and and their spouses and their extended families, and I'm still connected to my. My family back home in Chicago, so uh, very grateful and um, uh, very grateful to everybody who's followed this podcast for as long as we've been doing it, coming up on uh, two years, and uh, continuing to grow, and people that I've had the privilege and opportunity to meet uh, from doing neuropsych evals, and Julie and I, again, not providing treatment, but just offering advice or consultations. Um, it's actually... Uh, for tomorrow, we'll go back to neuropsych evaluation tomorrow. But this is, I can't remember the last time I took time off. Um, so I, I didn't work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or today, Monday, which is interesting for me. Um, and I, I don't do well with uh, idle hands, nothing to do. My initial inclination was, well, until things the next part of our day gets going, I'm going to go down to the office and, and work and ready valves. But uh, that didn't happen, and it gave me a time to kind of sit back and reflect on just, um, you know, family. Um, so I'm very grateful, and hopefully all of you guys had a very happy and healthy uh, holiday season. And um, we're moving into the new year, which will be our, I think our next episode will be in 2023, which will be Sunday. Um well, next week. So Julie's going to do uh, another part of DBT. Uh, as you know, I step out of this part because um, I'm a cognitive behavioral person. Uh, she, I think she's doing emotional regulation. Um, emotional regulation is something that's also part of cognitive behavioral therapy, but a lot of it has to do with the cognitive regulation of really regulating the thought processes and really helping a patient to disconnect from the emotions, not discounting the impact the emotions are having on a person, but always reorienting them back to the cognitions and the schemas and the archetypes and the stereotypes and the heuristics. Those are the things that drive human behavior and the emotions are just 
just a byproduct of it. And, and this is where I think DBT focuses way too much and puts puts emotions on, on such a huge pedestal. Um, so that's why she's going to do this episode because cognitive behavioral therapy is very different in this perspective. So uh, I could talk about cognitive regulation at some point, but uh, here is Julie and I'll talk to you at the end. Oh, oh, hang on a sec. Gotta get my glasses. Well, during this commercial break, <laughs> brought to you by Kraft. <laughs> you said you didn't want to monetize. I don't. <clears throat> Hi, guys. Thanks for your patience. Sorry, I was a little, uh, uh, lost my glasses there for a second. Um, so, Merry, Merry Christmas to all of all of you out there. It's been a very, um, kind of a, it's been a very amazing Christmas this year. Uh, I know for me and, uh, core as well. It's been truly amazing. I think I, you know, sometimes it's when we, when there are beautiful events in our life, we can get, you know, we can be there, but not really there, you know, present, but not, you know, omnipresent and, engaged or paying attention or noticing or just experiencing the moment. And I think that every thing I've experienced in my life has brought me to this place where I think I'm, you know, I think like we all are, you know, we just arrive on time. You know, we, we come from all these different backgrounds and we have, um, a lot of various different experiences and not all of them are pleasant. Life isn't certain. Life isn't uh, fair sometimes. However, I do believe that, um, and I was just talking to my son about this too, uh, regarding um, adversity, you know, and how adversity really helps people, I believe, to understand joy. And, um, and that's all I'll say about that. But Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, not everybody uh, celebrates Christmas. Um, so happy holidays to all of you. Um, I wanted to, I did have this amazing quote and I lost it on Instagram. It was um, by the late Thich Nhat Han, And it was really about, and I, and I loved that guy. I thought he was brilliant. Um, just a beautiful writer a Buddhist. Um, and he really talked about in this little post, it was a post and I don't even know where, where it came from, but it was, you know, I, I, I do follow a lot of these like sad guru, um, and, and other, um, people that are just kind of peaceful people, people who are filled with joy, people who, uh, don't really allow their, emotions to be ruled by their external environment, that they're always kind of in check and um, pay attention to what they're feeling and staying deeply connected to gratitude. Um, and um, I think that, that Thich Nhat Hanh was a really amazing human being. I never had the pleasure of knowing him personally, but he has written several books um, he was very, very uh, astute about emotions, particularly anger. Um, and this little, and I, and I'm gonna, um, you know, not be 
as articulate as this quote that I read this morning, um, at like 4.30 this morning, actually. Uh, it was just really about how when people hurt us and they are angry and or how people can be, you know, it's sometimes difficult to understand people where they're coming from, um, when they're coming from a hurtful place, if they hurt you. Um, it really is about how they are feeling internally themselves. And it was just so simple. Um, but what he also added, and this is something that I've talked about, and I'll bring, I will talk about emotional regulation in the last module of DBT, but I do want to talk a little bit about sending love in the presence of hate, um, sending love in the presence of fear. And, you know, when you, when fear knocks on the door and love answers, there's no one there. Um, and that is really a powerful tool. We watched the documentary, uh, Phil, Dr. Phil's, Phil Stutz, was it? S-T-U-T-Z? Still, no, Stultz. Stultz. Anyway, Jonah Hill is um, a, an actor, and I don't know if you've seen this. I believe it's on Prime or Netflix. I don't know. Maybe Netflix. Anyway, we watched it. It's a documentary that Jonah Hill really wanted to bring, raise awareness of of mental health. And he, you know, he very, he was very vulnerable. And I believe that he really took a risk. And I, I admire him for that, um, to expose his own mental health struggles, but actually give the make this documentary about the doctor that he worked with for several years. Dr. Phil, I'm going to not Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil, Stoutz, S-T-U-T-Z. I remember seeing it. Anyway, it was a beautiful documentary. It was a very powerful documentary. And I really loved his personal style of therapy. Um, and I I would recommend looking into it. Uh, ju- just, just watch it. I think it's very, very well done. Um, so having said that, back to, you know, feeling... Um, you know, going to into the emotional regulation piece of DBT. Again, I have to reiterate, this is not formalized training um, for the use of dialectical behavior therapy, but I'm just really educating people who we get a lot of calls about this. What is dialectical behavior therapy? It's not like a you pick up a little book and read about it kind of thing. It's a little nebulous to, I think, um, people who aren't in the field and even sometimes to people who are in the field um, can be nebulous as well. It is a very involved, um, a very um, challenging model, um, but it, it does work. So uh, without further ado, I am going to be reading a little bit about um, just how to, like the goals of emotional regulation. So the goal, and this is kind of going to pull a lot of all of what I've talked about together, like with the uh, Venn diagram of the uh, emotional mind, um, the, you know, rational mind overlapping, resulting in wise mind. So goals of emotional regulation would to be is really the essence of it is to understand the emotions that you experience. 
it breaks it down to observe and describe the emotions that you are experiencing. And also coming to the understanding of what how these emotions serve you. So um, that's just that's just the initial framework. Then it goes on to say, if you were really to kind of think about this, and as I, I was reviewing this, I also think about this for myself as well. You know, we're all human. What emotions do you find to be the easiest to identify? I think that's different for a lot of people. I think a lot of people, some people might identify more with fear um, than anger or anxiety and versus sadness or calmness or peace or emotionally, you know, I, people say chill, but you know, I mean that I'm just kind of throwing a, a couple of ideas out there. Um, and why do you think that these emotions are the easiest to identify? So for you, for me, I would look at this and say, okay, what are the emotions that I can very easily identify with? And why is that? And it's, you don't really need to get caught up with the why. It's really just identifying the emotions that really are your, like kind of your trademark in your life. If you're looking at how you roll through life. Um, and then the flip of that is what emotions do you find to be the most difficult to identify? which is much more challenging. But if you really think about that, you know, there are some uh, emotions that aren't common to us, um, but yet they exist and other people do experience them. Why is it that I don't experience X, Y, Z emotion? Um, and then why? Why do you think? But, you know, you don't need to get caught up in the why. Um and then it goes into talking about a little bit about the overwhelming sensation of emotion um, and how to reduce emotional vulnerability. So that means, I think, in essence, is how can we not be so consumed with emotion because breaking it down a little bit is if you're looking at emotion and how when emotions go up, logic goes down emotions can be, they can lead to behaviors, they can lead to irrational actions and irrational responses and treating other people irrationally, and treating ourselves, um, you know, in not in the best way, uh, meaning maybe like substance use disorder is pretty common for people who have a really hard time um, and who are suffering. It's really a symptom of suffering from something. Um, and ha a difficult, someone having a very difficult time regulating their emotions and managing their emotions, which can feel consuming and overwhelming. And not necessarily true. Seas of emotions. There's not always one emotion going on there. If you really think about it, sometimes we're feeling a few things at one time, and yet it can throw us in a complete tailspin. If we're going to be really honest, that that's really what can happen. Um, anxiety is, you know, and, and, and then it goes into the body. So it, you're, you also like, your body is actually responding to this 
tape recorder of emotions hardwired in us because of our experience. What is our habit? You know, what are the habits? What are our go-to emotions? Um, why do I go straight to anger? I mean, when you think about, like, I've read this before, um, Aristotle said back in the day, ang- being angry is actually easy. Um, it's being angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time and in the right way. That's not so easy. So, if it, I mean, that's Aristotle. So, I mean, talk about a genius, but yet we still struggle with this stuff. It's just amazing to me. Um, but it's, it's part of being a human being. Um, and what do you think makes you emotionally vulnerable? So this would be like when you are in situations where you know this may be coming, this may become emotionally charged. This could be an interaction where I can make a choice whether I am going to partake in where this is going to go, if this is going to go down in flames, an argument, let's say, or stepping back, not necessarily avoidance, because that's also a problem for some people, avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. A lot of people who've suffered trauma, adversity in their lives can become avoiders. I myself have traipsed down this road, so I know what it's like to be an avoider. And, um, and how to identify that when I am being an avoider. And, and if, if I don't identify it, I have loved ones in my life that will tell me, (laughs) they'll remind me. (laughs) Um, and how can you reduce your vulnerability to certain emotions? So it's really trying to decrease the negative vulnerability, the negative emotions. Let's think about what is negative energy there's necessary emotion, but there's also negative emotion. There's a, it's an energy level thing. Positive emotions, happiness, joy, um, loving, um, giving, caring, um, uh, celebrating. I mean, that's probably not an emotion, uh, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Calm, peaceful, being in a peaceful state, a calm state, um, being attentive to what's going on around you and actually enjoying the moment, which is why I brought brought up Christmas because that's how I really felt. And I am just overwhelmed with gratitude this year, uh, particularly. Um, and I would say that I have, I've worked on this myself, you know, why do I give the negative so much attention? I need to pull this back. I need to re-regulate. I need to say, why am I doing this? Okay, not really the why, but this this how I want to be. No, this is not how I want to be. I don't want to spend lots of my energy going in this direction. I want to feel good. I want to feel God. I want to feel good. I bring in spirituality because I do believe that spirituality is a very important piece to having peace to having a sense of joy, like an inner compass. It doesn't have to be God. It's a higher power. It could be the universal energy. And if you think about like attracts like. I'm going on a tangent. Sorry, guys. I have a lot to cover, but I'm not going to, you know, decreasing emotional suffering, letting go of painful emotions through mindfulness. Okay, well, how do you let go of a painful emotion? That's really tough. 
I think the first step is identifying that this is a painful emotion and you're in pain. This feels painful. Let's just call it what it is and don't judge it. You know, people tend to judge their own emotions. There's a, there's some, sometimes there's guilt, there's shame associated with it. It's, it's if someone doesn't validate our emotions, but how can we validate our own emotions? Because that's really, now he's making noises in the background, just saying. Um, so yeah, so I'm just, I'm getting really distracted. Cor, can you stop? Thank you. Um, Julie with the water, core with the ice. Um, okay, so people can get stuck. We've all experienced this. I have, I've been stuck. I've been stuck on and off throughout my entire life. I still can get stuck. We're human. What do we get stuck on? What is the powerful emotions that tend to get us feeling stuck? And how do we get unstuck? Well, so if we look at emotional mind in the Venn diagram, and then we look at rational mind. So we have emotional mind, and then we try to introduce rational mind to come to a place of wise mind where we have control over our emotions and we don't let ourselves get carried away like a roller coaster, um, a runaway train, have you, or what have you. Um, because we can go there and we also can get stuck. So why do you think you get stuck on these emotions? What type of emotions or situations does this, how does this show up in your life? What are the emotions that you identify the most with that you get stuck on the most? What are good emotions? Emotions communicate to others so facial expressions, these are hardwired parts of emotions in primitive society and among animals. Facial expressions communicate in words. Even in modern societies, societies, facial expressions communicate emotions faster than words. When is it important to us to communicate to others or send them a message? It can be very hard for us to change our emotions on our own. Whether we intend to or not, the communication of emotions influences others. What emotions do you feel in your body first? Paying attention to how you feel in your body. Okay, anxiety, fight or flight, right? We all can relate to fear. We all know what fear feels like in our body. Just watch something so cool. And I'm loving this and I'm sharing this with you because right now we're going to be talking about a little bit about anxiety and feeling overwhelmed. Um, hold on a second. Oh, no, no. Oh, for the love of God. Did I do it again? Okay, motivation. I think it's motivation soul. It's called on Instagram. This is the psychological trick that you can't live without. It's really brilliant. If you can find him, um, it's called motivational soul motivation, soul. So he's talking, I think he's Australian, but he's talking about literally splashing cold water on your face. If you're having in the, in the, in the throngs of an anxiety attack, 
or a panic attack. We've talked about this. I've talked about this. The grounding techniques bring you into the here and now. But what he's talking about, it's called the dive reflex. And it works every time, he says. I think it's brilliant because if you don't splash your face with cold, freezing cold water, you can also immerse your face in a in, in the sink or cup your hands with really cold, cold water, icy water even, and just and it will slow down your heart rate and it will regulate your trauma response. It will regulate your central nervous system. So that's a little trick that I just learned today, in fact. Um, I kind of knew it was out there, but it's always nice to hear another person out there reinforcing what seems to be actually really working. He's got a lot of followers too. Um, so, and then how do other, oh, this is very important. Do you feel you're sensitive to how other people are feeling? Well, yeah. So if you have borderline personality um, in, in any, this is what DBT is designed for in the treatment of, um, you're going to feel you are sensitive to how other people are feeling and you might very much read into other people's feelings and also other people's behaviors, their words, because people with borderline personality tend to be very reactive. Um, and that means emotionally charged. That means reading a situation, not always like real or imagined abandonment, because that can come in several, several shades, right? So um, your partner can literally go get a cup of coffee, get in the car and drive away. But to someone who struggles with this abandonment issue doesn't mean that person's literally abandoning you, but in an emotional state of being overwhelmed and knowing that that is literally the, the kind of the cardinal symptom of borderline personality is the real or imagined abandonment and how it causes sheer terror and um, a felt sense of hopelessness and, and, fear and, um, very intense fear. So, um, and also how do other people's emotions influence your own? So here's where it comes back to like the inner peace model. I think the goal in life is to actually, no matter what you're walking into, no matter where you are, if you're okay in inside your body and your soul and your heart and your mind, no one should be able to penetrate that. Okay, well, that can't really possibly be true because if, you know, your kids, you know, can be, they're, they're, they're your heart. They're your, your, they're an appendage of yourself in a, in a way. And, and that, that, that I think is very different. As a parent, it's very difficult to kind of separate. And I think, Part of the separation is good when, in terms of boundaries, but emotional boundaries. But at the same time, codependency, which is a, a very overused word, I think, in our society, because I feel like a lot of us are codependent with each other to a degree on a continuum. But when you're in a good mood and you, someone walks into your room where you are chill and at peace and they're not at peace, and then you become not at peace, that's not okay. That is, so, and that all comes from codependency. So that means you, I'm 
I'm an extension of you. You come into my my world and you're in a bad mood. And then all of a sudden I'm feeling what you're feeling. I'd like I'm matching that. That's a conditioned response that, you know, you learn over time. A lot of people who come from alcoholic homes um, experience this and trauma as well, um, who didn't really have an opportunity to have their emotions validated, um, maybe not growing up in the safest of environments. Um, but anyway, I, I, as I, as I keep going with that, but I, uh, and also, um, you know, I'm bringing full circle, bringing Wayne Dyer back into this when I, when he says, you know, you cannot feel bad enough in yourself to make someone else feel better. You cannot be sick enough to make someone else well. And I think that's one of the most brilliant things ever said. And I don't know if he said it or Ralph Waldo Emerson said it or some other genius of our time said it, but that's where the boundaries, that's kind of like the essence of where the boundaries are. It's like, I'm in control of my feelings. And I think that that's what is the goal in any treatment of and therapy, including cognitive behavioral therapy even though it doesn't emphasize feelings as much as this. Um, recognize your emotions, um, organize and motivate action. So what are you going to do to switch this up? Well, we talked about this a little bit before. Um, it's sort of like, uh, what is your typical response? Um, what happens in response to your your feeling, uh, if you're angry, um, you know, insisting that you're right, do you become verbally aggressive? Um, do you, does it lead to fighting? Does it lead to all a whole host of things? Emotion. What's the thought? What's the action? So it's not like CBT cognitive behavioral therapy is designed differently. Um, this is the emotion comes first. You, you, you take what you are struggling with that is a very powerful seemingly powerful entity and you rename it and you figure out ways with the skill sets of dbt how to manage your life better and regulate your emotions um and what can you do uh you know emotions what else are they saying um how do how do like when we go into fight or flight but how can we slow that down so like in real time, you know, can I slow this process down? Can I count to five? Can I breathe five breaths? Can I separate myself from the situation which I know is getting emotionally charged? I can feel it rise in me. What do I do? What can I do? Well, if it's anything emotionally saturating, go be in nature. I'm, I swear by it. You know, I mean, Sadhguru says the same thing. It's all about nature. It's all about nature. It's going out and listening to the birds. I can go for a walk and breathe. Like I walk in, I don't, well, this week it was too freezing, 20 degrees. No, thank you. But in the 30 degrees, I walk with my, um, my best buddy, um, few times a week and, um, I'm out there and I, it's, it, it's surreal. It, it, it's so simple, but you know, it gets your endorphins going. It, it, it gets your serotonin going. You're out there, whether it's sunny, cloudy, 
you know, the trees are beautiful, the birds are beautiful, the sky is beautiful. And even if it's cloudy, you know, right above those clouds is a sunny sky. So the sun is always there. It's just sometimes it's overcast. Um, so what can you do? So do something opposite of what you're feeling. And we did talk about this a little bit before. Um, you know, don't identify yourself as this emotion. The emotion isn't you. You're not your emotions. You know, they're fleeting. Emotions come and go. And there's some, there's a few we have at a time, like I said before. So what can you do if you're really, 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 really sad? Should you listen to really sad music? No. Do you, are you going to watch one of those awful TV shows where the dog dies? I mean, come on, you're not, that's not the right thing to do. But when we're feeling saturated with emotion, like sadness, we sometimes get drawn to the sadness. So the negative energy, we kind of follow that flow when in fact, we're supposed to trip it up. We're supposed to switch it up. Even if you mind trick yourself for a little bit, whatever grounding skill you use, cook something, make something, you know, get involved in cooking. That's a very nice distraction. You know, you can eat what you're cooking, you can smell what you're cooking, you're using your hands, you're using your brain, and it can be a very good experience. Put a little music on, make the music, happy music, upbeat, something even nostalgically upbeat, you know, like, I don't know, I love songs from the 70s, you know, but, um, you know, whatever floats your boat in that way. Have this at the ready. This is not something that you, this is what in course says this ad nauseum, but it's true. Therapy doesn't happen just in the 45 minutes when you're with your therapist. This is stuff you need to do. We all need to do in between the sessions where we do our homework. We write those lists of what are the things that I can do when I'm really mad, well, if I'm really pissed off, I, I usually will retreat. Like I, 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 it takes a lot for me to get mad, to be honest. Um, but you know, go take a shower, take a warm shower, chill, you know, just chill or go for a walk or work out, lift weights, talk about, you know, do something physical, you know, when it's anger, I think physical, you know, being engaged in something healthy um, is is very helpful. Um, just know that feelings aren't always facts. And that's a very important walkaway message. Feelings are not always facts. Now, if someone's feeling suicidal, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. That's safety. When it comes to safety, if someone's a danger to themselves or to others, an action must happen. Someone needs to go to 911, needs to call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room to be evaluated. 100%. Um, So trying to reduce the vulnerability to negative emotions. A whole family of deer just walked out the front by the front yard, I guess. Yeah, don't startle them. They'll run in the street. Um, avoid mood-altering drugs, obviously. Um, that usually doesn't help the situation. Um, take care of yourself. You know, uh, try to build, uh, try to exercise, try to be consistent with your sleep, um, take care of your body. It's, it seems very common, common 
sense, right? Eating, eating well, healthy, um, and building mastery. That means get involved in something that's healthy and something that you can grow and something that holds your attention that's positive and healthy that you can work on, um, you know, and like kind of your own, your own lane, your own jam, whatever that is, whether you like to write music or you like to play the guitar or you like to dance or you like to sing in the shower, it doesn't matter. Um, and we don't need to do that one. Uh, let's see. I don't want to keep going on and on and on and boring you to tears. Um, I am wrapping this up. Uh, I think that I'm just going to, I think I'm going to wrap this up for now because I'm talking way too long and I think you're probably all changed to another podcast at this point. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. I, I do. I care. I want, I want you to, I want you to know about this information and, um, and know that don't give up. Don't give up. It works. It works for some. It doesn't work for everybody, but it works for some. So if, you know, CBT isn't your thing, it's okay. If you have borderline personality on some level and continuum, um, DBT can be helpful. And if you look Go on to psychology today if you're looking for a DBT therapist. A lot of people, do your homework, do your research, find out who's literally trained in this out there. And there are people out there who use DBT um, in their practice. Um, even if it's just skill sets, it's, it's, you don't, I mean, a lot of people are educated in DBT to some degree that are practicing uh, therapists out there. So um, I would look at psychology today because that's pretty universal, um, at least in the United States. I don't know about out of the country, but um, I know that it covers the United States. Um, uh, Canada too. Canada too. I would think it would be Europe, but I I don't know about Europe, probably different licensure stuff. Anyway, uh, I love you guys. I'm very deeply grateful Um, We're heading into a new year. God bless you all. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your beautiful messages. Um, Even on Instagram, I read them. So I appreciate them. We don't always reply very well, but I really do appreciate it. Um, And uh, Merry, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Stay safe. Thank you, Julie. So I think the last... What'd you say? So I think in the last four episodes, uh, Julie has tried to take, you know, an entire model of psychotherapy and break it down. Uh, definitely much more complex, but I think just to give you the nuts and bolts of, you know, independent of my own personal and professional views, um, that's that's just myself as a, as, as a doctor and a practitioner. Um, but I do think it's important to give credit, uh, even to something like psychoanalysis, which I could, I could explain at, at some point, uh, even though I don't practice psychoanalysis. Um, but, um, you know, even in cognitive behavioral therapy, emotions take on a different role, um, because what you would, what you would confront a patient with is nobody can make you feel a certain way. No one can make you feel happy, sad, angry, calm, confident, uh, diminished. Uh, you choose 
your emotions. You, nobody can make, none of us can make anybody feel a certain way. So, you know, you, the question you would ask is, why are you allowing, from a CBT perspective, is why are you allowing your partner to put you in a state where you're choosing sadness? Why are you allowing your teacher to put you in a state where you're feeling that you're not smart? So very different techniques and interventions, but you know, really we take we take emotions out of of, of CBT. So um, again, uh, towards the end of the year, um, this has really been a fun journey. Uh, I never expected that it would go as long and, and as far and reach as many different places in the world as this have. Uh, my phone was blowing up yesterday and I appreciate all of the text messages, the thank yous and uh, messages of gratitude towards myself and to, and to Julie as she's showering the carrots in the sink um, for your support and your continued uh, ride-along as passengers on this train of psychoeducation, of demystification, of legitimization of, of mental health and psychopathology. Uh, we will continue on this journey. I'd love to be able to find a way that we could do um, a live session at some point. Uh, I don't know how that would work because technology is not my strong suit whatsoever, but if we were able to do like a live session where people could... Uh, we could do Zoom or call in with real-time questions and stuff like that. That would be really cool. Here we go with the choppy again. I mean, the promise we'd stop. What's that? Um, but um, a heartfelt thank you to everybody who has been a part of this podcast. And it's been a pleasure meeting people from across the globe. Um, have a very safe and happy holiday season, independent of what religion or what deity you, you worship under um we are i do think you know carl Jung was right in 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 the sense of however you interpret it that that there is a collective unconscious even though i don't believe the unconscious but in her, his terminology that that we are all individual souls that are part of some bigger soul that is bigger than all of us so thank you thank you thank you uh, happy holidays. We will talk to you. Our next episode will be in the new year. Much appreciation and gratitude. Feel free to reach out to me at Psychology Today. You can get a hold of me at, through email at psychologyunplugged at outlook.com. And you can contact me directly uh, at 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time in the United States. And you can follow us on, uh, get a little better at it, on uh, Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore. So thanks, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be well. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys.